Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tom, Dick and Hyman show. I'm Tom, and today I'm joined by Tim once again. Hello, Tom. How you doing, Tim? I'm good, thanks. Uh, haven't seen Hyman in quite some time now. <laughs> how, how long has it been? Well over, well, probably about two or three months now. He hasn't actually been on the podcast. <laughs> we should like, call the FBI or send out a missing persons report. All right, things started off okay in 2017, and then um, Theresa May met with Donald Trump. And as a result, the doomsday clock moved to only two and a half minutes to midnight. Not sure if those two things are related, but fret not. You've got two drunken bozos to try and make sense of everything that's going on out there. Britain wants to remain a good friend and neighbour to Europe. Yet I know there are some voices calling for a punitive deal that punishes Britain and discourages other countries from taking the same path. That would be an act of calamitous self-harm for the countries of Europe, and it would not be the act of a friend. Britain would not, indeed we could not, accept such an approach. And while I am confident that this scenario need never arise, while I am sure a positive agreement can be reached, I am equally clear that no deal for Britain is better than a bad deal for Britain. So why even mention it? (laughs) What do you mean? Well, she's she's immediately sort of in in her very first speech, official speech about it. Yeah, it's about she's, a month ago now. She's laced in uh, the worst case scenario, which is us walking away and becoming a tax haven like Singapore. Well, she doesn't only... strike me as that bad a thing. Singapore's like pretty nice from what I've seen. I think wealth inequality in Singapore is meant to be quite bad, isn't it? Like, if, probably if, one of the worst in the world. If you're poor, yeah, it's very bad. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Trey's let us know that Britain unequivocally would be leaving the EU single market, and she called this a clean Brexit, whereas most people have been referring to this as a hard Brexit. Well, semantics are very important now. Yeah, especially when you're about to head into some important negotiations. Yeah, and uh, a clean clean Brexit sounds uh, nice as opposed to a dirty. <laughs> <laughs> hard Brexit. Or hard, yeah. yeah. Certainly isn't soft, leaving I mean, uh, the single market. Yeah, I mean, we'll send it's... economic shockwaves through Europe. Very start of this year, Deutsche Bank was sort of teetering for a while. They looked like they were in trouble. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've reminded me. I have to offer a retraction and an apology to you. you As uh, usual, this has got to be like the fourth or fifth one. Please. First uh, one I've ever acknowledged. Wait, wait, wait. I'm just going to sit sit back for a second. You you said... okay, wait, 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 wait. wait. Smug mode. Okay. Initiates. Here we go. Let me have it. I remember you saying RBS that we still owned like a controlling share in RBS. And I uh, said, no. Well, you were right, we do. I was thinking of Lloyd's. Okay. We sold our controlling share in Lloyd's. Mm. We still own a bit of it. But RBS, mm. I think you are right, we still own about 70, 80% of it. So apologies there. That's okay, apologies accepted. Added to the list. <laughs> but Theresa yeah. May's term there, clean Brexit. I think this is her attempt at being diplomatic with the EU. She's going in there and saying, look, straight off the bat, we're leaving the single market and we're not going to waste your time squabbling about that. Yeah, and really, it's for me, it's it's always been the British way, at least on paper. Like, on you know, we're always meant to, you know, have... Uh, that's just not cricket, boy, you know. Queens, right. Queensby rules. It's always been, like, meant to be sort of fair dealing. Obviously, in business, we're just as dodgy and backstabbing as anyone else, really. But we no, do, we we're do, trusted. We're but, still But we trusted. do have this reputation, especially our legal system has a reputation. It's been adopted by many countries over the world, just yep. copied it. True. 
and I think her her intention in that speech was was to say to the EU, look, if we if we just do this by the book, everyone can sort of shake hands at the end of the day and go our separate ways. Well, there is no by the book. We're like the first to leave the European well, Union. Article fifty now. is the book. Yeah, you, know, you sign that, and then you you do Article fifty, Section one, Article fifty, Section two, Article fifty, Section four, Section five. That's like return all your office furniture. Honestly, yeah. and then it's then it's done. It's going to take. We're not going to have successfully left the EU for many, many years. It's going to take a lot longer than two years. It's going to be was, about 10 years, 12 there, there years was, maybe. There was sort of option C. <clears throat> What's that? Where I, I think I saw it was Andrew Neil who was interviewing Nigel Farage. Oh, okay. Nigel. And uh, <laughs> he was talking about these uh, sort of punitive fees that the UK would have to pay even after leaving yeah. the EU. Yeah. Things they might have committed to or if they enter into a trade negotiation before a certain date they could be fined yeah, certain amounts. And, you know, Andrew Neil said the amount like such such billion. And Farage Well, the EU are saying 500 billion yeah, yeah, yeah. is what they say. And Farage just, turned, be... Farage just turned around and said, don't pay them. Don't pay them. What are, they gonna, what, what are they going to do? Throw us out? <laughs> you know, we're leaving anyway. Um, and he, he had a point when he said that. There is like the sort of nuclear option, as they call it. Not hopefully actual nuclear, but... Um, it's hurting your own credit rating. But just like, say, fuck you, fuck you. We're going. <laughs> you, can, you can do it in a day. Worst comes to worst. I mean, this is... Um, in the lead up to the referendum... No one on the Leave side was saying, oh, yeah, we should actually drop out the single market. Well, it was it was a foregone conclusion. Mm, I don't know. I think David Cameron was saying, realistically, it could happen. I voted in, in, in the mind as, as a foregone conclusion that if England left, whatever the intention, the single market would probably collapse anyway, just for economic <laughs> instability. I don't know. I don't think we're that big a deal. We wouldn't like us leaving isn't going to crash the whole EU. Well, we buy a lot of BMWs. <laughs> Maybe not anymore. <laughs> uh, well, in America, the, the BMW would be like desperate for British me- money because America's going to hammer them. Mm, well, come on to that in a sec. It's going to become unpatriotic to, to buy but, a German car. They don't build them in the state. Because they're a bit shit. Well, they don't, build, they don't let us build our Chevys in Germany either. Well, that's because they don't want any. <laughs> no one wants a Chevy. No. But she's saying, Theresa May, they're saying, we're leaving the single market. In a way, I think the real driving force behind her saying that is to kind of clear up any uncertainty in the markets. Do you know what I mean? Like markets. the markets are governed by uncertainty and doubt. I know. People have this image of the the sort of archetypal Wall Street banker as a really sort of macho bravado guy when really they're all like fucking terrified cowards. <laughs> like the slightest sort of change in the wind. The bankers are like, oh, oh fuck, sell, 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 shit. Oh, God. Do you think they live in such a legally grey world that they're always kind of got that shoulder looking over their shoulder mentality is always there well no 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 it's not that it's just that it's it's like a horse race isn't it they're just like gamblers on a horse track and it's very fast moving and you can and the cool thing is you can actually jump from horse to horse while the race is going on you know (laughs) you can kill your horse and jump (laughs) (laughs) yeah and whip it to death and still keep going yeah no one's thought of a better system so you can't really knock it too much you're not scared at all by Theresa's, uh, Theresa, Theresa's announcement that we're leaving the single market. Because to me, it was kind of like that was really the worst possible outcome. Why? Are you? Do you have I was stocks and more, shares? No. Do you own a big property? No, I only own debt. That's so what does it matter to you, really? Well, I was kind of thinking maybe we'd <laughs> end up with like EFTA membership, like Switzerland. But, well, actually, before I'm jumping ahead of myself a bit here. Now, Theresa May... She tried to establish a bit of leverage 
Why do you want to stay in the single market, Tom? Because like, it's good for the you know, No, 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 but like fucking spiritually, psychologically, we need to leave it, to truly leave the EU. We can't be attached to, to its economic framework, which the single market yeah. is part of. We can't be paying into it. We can't be, we can't, we can't have them just spunking all our money for nothing. We wouldn't be paying in as much as what we're paying now. We shouldn't but be paying we wouldn't... anything. Do you know what I mean? Like I say, if you're going to leave something, you have to disconnect all facets. We had to leave the single market from from the day that Nigel Farage yeah. was born, whenever that was, <laughs> in the 60s. But she's, Theresa May's trying to establish leverage. Her threat to the EU is, oh, we'll go to the WTO, we'll go to the World Trade Organization, we'll just take the tariffs. It's like, that's not really a viable option. Well, it is if we become a tax haven. Like not Singapore. really. Why? Because it's not really the tariffs that you have to worry about. It's non-tariff barriers, things like regulations. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll scrap all those. <laughs> oh, you mean <laughs> all the, the other be, side? You mean the other be side? It's a fucking disaster if we yeah. just scrap all regulations. Geopolitically, but the world is shifting, though. What, what, the tra- know- trade would cease. It would cease to, like, all trade would just stop coming in and out of Britain because yeah. all of the regulations that are just kind of ticked and rubber stamped. They'll starve us to death. You know, we only have three days' food on this island. Uh, yeah, they so could, imagine they could a just massive blockade block. us and yeah. uh, starve us all to death. A lot of people could do it losing a bit of weight. But again, the ball is in the EU's court, really, isn't it? Yeah, like, we don't really have the leverage why, Theresa May thinks we have, is what I'm trying she, to get at. She, no, she knows we haven't got that leverage, but that's why she, she had to, like... Maybe that is why she had to say the worst case scenario, um, just to sort of, you know, if 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 the EU is going to play its worst hand, force them to play it from the off. Yeah, offer a shit deal. Yeah, and then we can go from there. Her threat is her saying to the EU, "I'm not David Cameron. You can't offer me a nothing and call my bluff, and then expect me to kind of just accept it with a smile and a handshake." She's looking for a real proper serious deal. If they're going to really fucking want to punish us to leave then they're no better than a protection racket. The EU is a little bit mafioso sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the, the Italians, is. obviously. It goes for the territory. But. Well, they're more breaking the legs of the Italian economy more than anything else. So Theresa May's going in, and David Davis, they're going in looking for a bilateral trade deal. I think what the EU is going to come back to them with is just another offer of just saying, look, just go into the EEA, the uh, European Economic Area, and we'll give you an emergency break on immigration whereby, say, Parliament can vote. If they're getting worried about immigration, they can do. Look at that. They can have a vote and they get their emergency break. Right? That's what EU is going to offer. And they're going to say... It's not offering. It's telling us what to yeah, do. They're take still it or telling leave us it. what to do. It's no. going to be take it or leave it. We've left. And we're going to say leave it, which is kind of leave. worrying. <laughs> leave it. It was a leave vote. We can't yeah, have okay. an external body setting our immigration levels. What, 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 well, what, they what, don't really, but... But that's what they're suggesting for the future. They're saying free, freedom of movement is like something Some they're not going to bargain on. They yeah. can't drag it out like this, Tom. I mean, it's going pretty quickly, I would say. Like, it is being sort of rushed. The Tories are panicking, right? Because they they've, had, they've had a couple of years, well, almost a couple of years of being in government where they really have just failed to push their Tom, manifesto through, Tom, except for Brexit. Tom, it's, it's, not, it's not moved at all in, in the six months since the actual vote. And then, so we're going to like say, okay, let's let's sign it on this day and start negotiations. Here's our team for the negotiations. And the EU are going to go, okay, we're going to start negotiations on this day. Uh, we need to organise our team for the negotiations. Take us about five years to get a team together. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to be so much obfuscation if all these countries have to agree on every step of the process. Yeah. 
It's going to be maddening. I'm already getting wound up about it. Can you tell? We're doing, we are, in fact, I completely disagree. We're, we are rushing this. Because you've got to, first thing you've got to do is figure out just what it is you want to negotiate on, what you're willing, what you basically want, what you're willing to give up. And it takes a long time. The EU, the tentacles of the EU are many, and they're completely covering the whole of the HMS Britain, Great Britain. And it's like, I don't think David Davis and his merry band of Brexiteers have actually really figured out the, the size and the scope of what how big these negotiations are going to get. I mean, it's going to come down to military level of like, we've got X amount of soldiers in your country. Yeah. <laughs> David Davis is going to go in there and go, look, we've got a great idea, right? It's just a really simple overarching bilateral trade agreement. And he's going to say, no, here's our mem- offer of EEA membership. Take it or leave it. And David Davis, I think, has got a bit of a, like, libertarian streak to him. He might just go, fuck it, let's just go to the WTO then. Which I think would be disaster. It wouldn't be good. So, um, there was a vote this week in Parliament. Yes. Gina Miller's uh, successful court case. Yeah. Stop hating on Gina Miller. She's not a real cunt. No, she's just, she did her job very well. Her job? She succeeded. paid shill. She succeeded in her mission. She reported back to head... Head head base. They uh, listen. If she's got money her. tied up in the EU, fair enough. We had the vote off the top of my head because I'm lazy and I can't be bothered to double check this. But I think what was it? Four hundred and ninety something to one hundred and twelve, hundred fourteen, hundred fourteen. Was yeah. it four ninety four something like that? Four nine eight or something. Yeah. So it passed quite heavily. Now Labour. Can we talk about the Labour Party a little bit here? Do you think, given that Labour's party position in the referendum was to back Remain? And given that they're the official opposition, should they have voted to block triggering trigger triggering Article Fifty? Uh, no, because in like the most baseline form of democracy, the MPs are meant to represent the will of their constituents, and the majority of the constituencies of the country voted to leave. Mm-hmm. Admittedly some by very narrow margins that was Mm. also reflected in the whole national vote, you know, like a difference of about 4%. Um, But, you know, so no, I I don't, I don't think they they should uh, act on their conscience in inverted commas, (laughs) basically their own volition. No, they should, they should do what they're there for, represent the people that put them there. Well, we're going to listen to Keir Starmer, who is like shadow Brexit secretary. I can't stand this guy. There was a debate earlier in the week before the vote in the House of Commons. Yeah. It sounds like he's delivering Labour's eulogy. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We have before us a short bill uh, and a relatively simple bill. But for the Labour Party, this is a very difficult bill. The Tories laughing. Mr. There. Speaker. I would ask the honourable members be courteous as I try to set out the position of the Labour Party in what are save the laugh until the end of my speech in what are very in what are very difficult circumstances. I will try to set that out clearly, uh, and I would expect people to be courteous. We are a fiercely internationalist party. We are a pro-European party. We believe that through our alliances we achieve more together than we do alone. We believe in international cooperation and collaboration. 
We believe and that's in why it. we're voting to trigger Article 50 of Britain <laughs> leaving the Like, it doesn't... Labour's position on this just really doesn't make any sense, right? Like I was saying, they, their party position was to vote Remain, to back the Remain campaign, and then... You've got to consider the fact that they are the official opposition to the government. The government has introduced a bill that the Labour Party's position is this is not a good idea. And yet Jeremy Corbyn's initiating this three line whip yeah. to make sure all the Labour MPs vote to trigger Article 50. It doesn't make any sense. It's Corby is Corby. he's a man of principle, even though I don't agree with him. What? <laughs> he, he's, you know... He, he believes in democracy. What Keir Starmer there, he was basically, what a lot of people are doing, they're, they're, the Labour Party's on the verge of implosion. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like... Already a, has. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a leadership election in the next six months. Oh, and, another one. Yeah. And I think people like Keir Starmer... He's trying to be, uh, position himself, isn't he? People are starting to position potential. themselves. Yeah. Uh, maybe not six months, but I'd be interested if eventually Sadiq Khan will get uh, back into the well, house. Well, he's stuck, he's stuck in... Um, for the mayor. Yeah. For, for how many, what, three, four years? Three more years. He can't really do anything at the moment. Um, basically, Keir Starmer's problem there, he was saying this is a real dilemma. It's only really a dilemma in the sense of too many MPs stress too much about being re-elected as opposed to actually just voting on government legislation. Well, it's their job, isn't it? And like most constantly get re-elected. Yeah, and like most of them, they were like parliamentary researchers after they left university before they became MPs. And they're like thinking, well, fuck. Right. I need to really make as much money as I can be an MP because once I'm not an MP, I can't do no anything else. No employable skills. I can't yeah, even. Like, I can't even fucking mow a lawn in a straight line. Essentially, Labour has voted to leave the EU now. The people voted to leave, and that's what's forced them to. Not by a massive margin. There isn't a massive mandate. You've got to be honest. Yeah, but constituency geographically spread. It was massive. It was blanketed the country. It was only the, the cities. Yeah, but the, the referendum itself wasn't really based on constituencies. It was just a total vote count. Yeah. So I don't know. I think if you, if I were a Labour MP and I really genuinely thought leaving the EU was going to be a disaster, I would simply think, okay, listen, I'm in the government or I'm in opposition to the government. Mm. They have proposed a bill that I don't think passing would be a good idea. Mm. So it's quite simple. I'm going to vote no. Yeah. Well, some did, didn't they? Yeah, a handful did. Tulip. Maybe about 20 people. Was it Tulip? Sadiq, yeah, uh, he's probably getting a shit ton of hate on Twitter right now because that's the nature of social media. Mm. It's just pure vitriol. Well, I've seen people who are like who loved Corby, like literally do a one eighty on him and hate his guts now. Oh yeah, because they they blame him for the destruction of Labour. You knew you were voting when really for a Eurosceptic. Yeah, but a, I think a political party is the sum of its parts, and it's just full of so so many tossers. It's just self destructed, <laughs> isn't it? Just look at the front bench. You know, what would you expect? It's gonna, it's, uh, it's full of wankers. It's gonna fuck up. Diane Abbott, she's got herself in hot water as always. Well, I hear hot water is very good for curing migraines. <laughs> you dip your head in yeah. it for a few seconds. That was her. She uh, abstained from voting, claiming she had a migraine. But apparently, the night before, she was out drinking, which I don't know. Possibly that explains the oncoming migraine. Well, she was tweeting about Donald Trump or something like an hour before the the vote. Mm, you could do that whilst stricken to a bed, I guess. I like bed stricken. Uh, what sort of relationship do you want, Tim, with the EU as a result <laughs> of all of this? I want a relationship that's sort of uh, intimate, uh, but not too serious. <laughs> <laughs> with um, some hate fucking? <laughs> no, no. Um, what sort of relationship? I just, I think the ideal relationship would be to continue our military 
and intelligence and police links have absolutely no change there. Hopefully. Um, but to disengage ourselves completely economically, like we, we always have been since we didn't accept the euro. No trade at all. Re- no, 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 no. Having our own agreement. With them. It's a bilateral like, trade deal, basically. Like yeah. the Britain and the EU do a trade deal. Yeah, sort of like the same deal that the EU might have with Singapore. Or I've got Singapore on the brain today. <laughs> I'm going to have some Singapore fried noodles on the way home. Um, and generally a visa system like America, where it's like, or Australia, where like to, to get a job, you know, you need to it's actually... really like, fucking difficult to get a job in America. <laughs> well, in America, you need a job, don't you? Because they don't have any sort of unemployment benefits, anything like what we have. You've got but, to go through a whole load of hoops to qualify for a work visa. You've got to like, you'll have to like, yeah, but anyway, we are an island. We do have finite mm. space and resources. And like, there is, we, we, we can fit in million more people here. But not at the the speed. There's nothing wrong with having lots of people here. It's, just, it's, it's the speed that they come in. The problem you've got is any trade deal we do with any other country, freedom of movement is probably going to be an aspect to it. No, why? We we we've got a trade. This deal. is what every country wants from a free trade deal: a free movement of goods and labor. And everyone obviously like takes advantage of the labor bit. Free movement. It's like micro- free economic movement, migration. Free movement is a is a good thing, and it's a utopian ideal we should all work towards. But at, at the moment, we live in a world of international terrorism, where there's been so many cases of, of people being able to move from country to country, both before and after attacks. You know, to yeah. escape and. Uh, and Basically, it's sounding like you don't want any relationship with the EU. Whatsoever. Well, the EU is. Like, why would you stay on a like a stinking, a stinking sinking ship? Okay, imagine this. Imagine you're in a car. Yeah, it's packed full of people. And this car's on fire. The brakes have failed. It's going down a hill towards the edge of a cliff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've got a chance to jump out of the car and, and start I, rolling and, 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 on and, the and, tarmac. And, yeah, and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, you'd jump out, wouldn't you? Well. Why wouldn't you uh, grab the steering wheel of the car and steer it to safety? Because the car's burning. No, because there's 27 other people in the car with me, all grabbing the fucking <laughs> steering wheel at the same time. It's doomed. <laughs> it's not going to work. The EU's a long way away from dying. Like It's not going to happen in the next few years. Well, that's why I think England, to, I mean, Britain, <laughs> to get a good deal, we're going to have to sort of, sort of sabotage them and send them on their way. We'll have to sort of actually join up with Russia and sort of threaten them at their borders and just weaken them from within. I was hoping for EFDA membership, really, basically. I didn't want to be in the EEA because the EEA is like a preliminary step to joining the EU outright anyway. So it would be a bit pointless us going into there like Norway. But yeah, it's looking like we're going to be <laughs> just going to the WTO, I think. Tom, it's, it's, it's like if you were like a, in a relationship where you were married to someone and you like sort of cheated and then you pleaded with them to take you back and they thought okay they took you back things you know you'd be with them but it would never be the same again would it, it that's what it would be like if we had any sort of agreement with the EU it'll always be a little bit oh, what if God. you were uh, we need a clean break what if you introduced the possibility of getting a new bigger fatter oranger boyfriend called Donald Trump like what impact do you think Donald Trump's gonna have on Brexit given that he doesn't seem to like the EU much he's anti the EU and the simple reason he's anti the EU sounds like a very uh, paradoxical thing because he is a businessman. Mm, and you think a businessman would be a globalist, but he's not. He's he's actually like, he's against the system. He's just so mono-minded. He sees, he wants to do it all himself. So he, mm. he doesn't care about these huge international corporations. 
He's got yeah. his own corporation. That's he's happy well, with. He's happy spreading that brand around the world. And he can now because he's fucking president. I think it's more the case that he doesn't like the idea of custom unions and free trade areas. In the, just, sense that, in the sense that he doesn't want America to have to compete with trading blocks. He wants America yeah. to compete with other countries one on one. There's a guy called uh, Ted Malik. And supposedly this is Trump's choice for oh, EU yes, ambassador yes, yes, between yes, the EU him. and America. Yeah. And he was on this week, BBC's This Week with Andrew Neil, I think a week or two ago. And he said there's something kind of interesting about what he would like to do to the EU. Why do you want to be US ambassador to the EU? I mean, you're clearly not a great fan of Brussels or his bureaucrats like Jean-Claude Juncker. Well, I uh, had in a previous career a diplomatic post where I helped to bring down the Soviet Union. So maybe there's another union that needs a little taming. Ooh, happy about that, Aiden. Yeah, he wants to get another scalp on his uh, hunting rack. <laughs> so the EU, they're facing many threats from different sides. They're kind of facing a threat from Russia, facing a, fe- a threat from Britain leaving, and facing another threat from the uh, good old USA. Guy Verhofstadt was on Newsnight with Evan Davis, and uh, some people are jumping on uh, what he said, some Eurosceptics. Let's listen to what Guy Verhofstadt, the Brexit What was uh, in, in, in oh, any way prick. depressive, in my point of view, was what uh, Trump said about uh, the European Union. Uh, he said, oh, yeah, I think that other countries will uh, go out of the European Union, that the European Union will further disintegrate. And so I think that uh, Europe for the moment is squeezed uh, between a, a populist president in in America, who want the disintegration of the Union, and an autocrat at the other side, Vladimir Putin, who want, who want also to divide uh, Europe. And on top of that, we have the political radical Islam. So I think that uh, Europe, uh, for the moment, has an, uh, an existential, we live in an existential moment for the European but Union. But you mentioned three threats, the, 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 the Islamists, yeah. the, the Putin and Trump. You didn't mention the threat, which is that the public in Europe are, are, are voting all over the place, the people who are who are, if not fascist, are, are, are flirting with it. I mean, in, in, in Austria, what, 46% yeah, for yeah, the candidate to you. Nationalism, right? populism is, uh, is on the rise. It's the threat we, inside Europe that you should be worrying about, well, not and, Trump yeah, or the that we can, that we can. Uh, I think that we can face this, that we can find a, a solution for that by coming forward with a real vision, a vision for the future for the European Union. The reason why people are falling into the trap of nationalism, populism, is because there are no... Uh, political leaders in Europe for the moment showing the way forward, saying look, if we want to um, really solve the problem of the migration crisis, the refugee flow, uh, uh, the economic fallout of the financial crisis, uh, the geopolitical weakness of Europe, we need a more united Europe and not a div- Does that mean a more united Europe? Yeah, I know. He kind of started waffling towards the end there. Like- yeah, it's like political leaders are stepping forward in Europe, but unfortunately they're all like anti-EU ones. Yeah, they're all Eurosceptics. I think it's a bit like fascism, that term's getting thrown around a little too much. Yeah. I agree with what Evan Davis said. Like, there are definitely are some elements more in Europe than in Britain that are, like, flirting with fascism. I agree with that. There always have been, though. But Eurosceptics are jumping on that statement he made there about, like, the EU faces an existential threat. As though uh, that kind of shows, oh, Britain's got some leverage. Ooh, advantage Britain in the EU negotiations. And I don't know about that because it's like, the EU is more kind of like a wounded animal that's been backed into a corner. Okay. Okay. When you say the EU, what's the real sort of beating heart of the EU, the real economic lifeblood of it? 
Deutschland, isn't it? It's Germany. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. the heart of the yeah. EU. Yeah. So when, when's the last time in history you had uh, the Americans, the Russians <laughs> and the Britons all sort of surrounding <laughs> the Germans? Berlin. It's, 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 it could be quite a flammable situation. You know, there's a lot of mm. manoeuvring to be done. And uh, even even he mentioned uh, radical Islamic terrorism, yeah. which you know is 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 a is a fact on the streets of Europe now. Uh, there as are well things as the that Middle East could do to tackle radicals, uh, radical Islamic terrorism a lot more. What's that? Robots. We know we basically we've got a good idea of we all need... these different yeah jihadist universities and schools that oh. are radicalizing people, and a lot of them receive public funding. And we kind of we've got a good idea of who and where they are. We should basically just defund them. But anyway, um, to get back to like EU negotiations, I've got a feeling the Tories are going to fuck this up like royally. And I don't envy Theresa May because she's in a position where she's got to try and keep the EU happy. She's got to keep Donald Trump happy. Yeah. And she's got to keep the British public happy. Well, listen, she I couldn't... don't know if she can keep all three happy. Well, listen, she couldn't fuck it up worse than Jeremy Corbyn could. So I'm like I'm saying, I'm back to my uh, negative Nelly eternal pessimism. Are you still feeling quite optimistic? I'm feeling uh, trepidatious. Um, basically, it's like, how far is each side prepared to go? Yeah. How long can you keep your hand in the fire and not pull it out? I think. I think there. Uh, it, it's going to be. It's going to be quite. Quite tough. Um, I would love to have been a fly on the wall between Trump and May in their meeting. Is there a holding hands? Because I wanted just to hear, because I know he probably would have said to her, like, Tracer, I'm going to back you all the way over this Brexit thing, whatever you need. He'd have sold her the world, yeah. Yeah. And she might have turned around and said, oh, Donald, uh, you know, uh, don't bother. We've got our own ways of doing things. Because she secretly wants a soft deal and stay in Europe halfway, which I I wouldn't be surprised because she was a Remainer. Um, So it'd be interesting to see, really. I think Trump might actually have more to do with it than she will in the end. Oh, Trump and Brexit, they sort of meshed together. You know, it was like when Brexit happened, that almost gave Trump's I don't know, a I don't shot like, in the arm. I don't like this. I, people are making this connection between whole, Brexit and Trump. And I, I think there's I a real like connection. It. I think it's anti-establishment. But people might put it down to like, oh yeah, it's both anti-establishment. But that doesn't mean there's a connection beyond that. Like, oh, one led to the other. No, not really. I think Brexit and Trump happened independent of each other. Because America doesn't give a fuck what Britain does. They didn't know, like, when Brexit happened, the response from, like, millions and millions of Americans is, what the fuck is Brexit? What is the EU? All right, so from one breaking down of a civilization to another, a place of pussy hats, Iraqi translators detained at airports, anti-far violence where no one's really quite sure who the fascists are, venomous outrage at a president that's actually doing what he said he was going to do, and juveniles trolling Shia LaBeouf. Welcome to Trump World. Yeah, welcome to Trump World, where everything moves at a lightning pace. Donald Trump hit the ground running as a newly elected president, newly inaugurated president. Like basically, day one, he was signing executive orders. Mm. I think the very first exec- executive order he signed was um, some sort of proclamation that January 20th is a day to celebrate patriotism. Apparently, it's not a new thing. George Bush did it first. But yeah, we're going to go through some of the executive orders that Donald Trump has signed in his first couple of weeks as let's, president. Let's hear them. So, Executive Order 13765, minimizing the economic burden of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act 
pending repeal. So this is one of the first things Donald Trump did was basically tear up Barack Obama's legacy. So he did that on Friday, his very first day as president, repealed Obamacare. He's um, given the green light to a lot of uh, different pipelines. Most controversially, the... Uh, the the Kota yeah, one? Yeah. And apparently, you know, they're actually going to like... Um, does, does it go through ancient Indian burial ground or something like that? They're, gonna, they're actually going to make it out of the bones of their ancestors. American. <laughs> they could use steel, but they're, they're going to hollow out like old leg bones and stuff. That was they're an executive they're, order. They're deliberately doing it to, to piss them off. That was one of the executive orders, was that all these new pipelines have to be built with American steel, no matter how much extra cost it is. Another executive order here. Expediting environmental reviews and approvals for high-priority infrastructure projects. So, yeah, a lot of Trump's rhetoric leading up to the election was that he was going to heavily invest in infrastructure, which pissed off a lot of Republicans. That's not really what they're about. They're more about defunding well, public infrastructure. Yeah, but you see, uh, he's just going to save a lot of money on, like, uh, they won't bother, like, doing surveys looking for endangered species before they put a motorway down. They'll just slap that fucker down. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what, that, that's what that, 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 that order's about. It's just going to make it easier yeah. to build stuff. True, if you're in any way green, Donald Trump is a proper yeah. nightmare. Screw the newts. He just doesn't give a fuck about small animals. Hedgehog tunnels and stuff. None of that. None of that anymore. Squirrel bridges and towed cable cars. No, no, no. <laughs> so another one, uh, border security and immigration enforcement improvements. An executive order directing the Customs and Border Patrol to secure the southern border of the United States through the immediate construction of a physical wall. Yeah, so Trump's still adamant the wall is going to get built. My understanding is there's a bit of an issue in terms of finding the funding for it. Donald Trump thinks it's going to be about $12 billion to build a wall across the whole southern border. Uh, I saw a construction company who was asked about it. Yeah. And he was like, listen, if they haven't put away $50 billion dedicated to the project, I wouldn't even bother taking it. You know, they'll probably better use the money they would have saved not going to war with Russia. <laughs> That'd be significantly more. Still in the better than Hillary camp. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. So another executive order about public safety in the interior of the united states this is him cutting off sanctuary cities so in america some uh, cities have declared themselves sanctuary cities which means anybody who's an illegal immigrant or undocumented whatever migrant whatever your preferred term is donald trump is going to defund those cities now which is a bit major a bit heavy-handed there a little bit darth sidious star wars do you know what i mean yeah, because admittedly he did talk, you know, you talk about big government versus small government. And uh, surely if everyone's getting funding, then it's up to them what they do with it. If they want to, in his in his mind, waste it. The federal government is up to, you mean, like, yeah. whether they want to fund yeah. it or not. Yeah. Depends what how much of the resources the undocumented people use. or They might actually contribute to the economy of these places a lot. So uh, that could be a bit of a stupid move. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing about Trump. I think there's going to be a bit of... Um, a rewriting of history in a way whereby Donald Trump is going to be pointed to as the instigator, the beginning of things going wrong. And it's not really true. Donald Trump is more a symptom of things being going wrong for a while. That's the perception, at least anyway. A lot of people talk about Obama's legacy. And it's wasn't much wasn't very good. Well, it's not for me. It's not um, having like transgender signs on the bathroom. What is it? Then? Donald Trump. Is his is Obama's legacy? Donald Trump is Obama's legacy. He's, he's the guy who thought Obama was Kenyan. The, sin, the, <laughs> the, the, the sins of the father will be visited upon the son. You know. <laughs> ah, now on Friday, January twenty seventh, Donald Trump passed. I say passed, but he wrote 
perhaps his most controversial executive order yet. It's the uh, Protecting the Nation from Foreign Terrorist Entry into the United States, a.k.a. what the media is calling the Muslim ban. Okay, now... Is it a Muslim ban, Tim? It's not a Muslim ban because you can you can come from Somalia, Sudan, There's 57 Libya. Muslim countries, basically. Yeah, Muslim you, majority. No, no, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. You can come from one of those countries and not be a Muslim. And yeah, let's, exactly. let's, let's not... Well, not, not if you're trying to get into the United States. Let's not forget that golden cast iron argument that I, I love, which is um, terrorists are not Muslims. <laughs> Islam is a religion of peace. Yes. If you disagree with me, I'll kick your fucking teeth in. Like the wording of the order doesn't mention Muslim, doesn't really mention religion. Could be an ex-Muslim. It's, it's, it's bollocks. It's, it's being used as a weapon to, to cudgel him with, you see. Um, the, the, when, the, when the press report on this story, they don't go into the detail that these seven countries were actually initially identified by the Department of Defence yeah. during we, Obama's time. What seven countries is it? So we've got Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, the Sudan. Syria and Yemen. Now, these are all pretty, most of most, not all of them, but most of them are countries that America for the last 20, 30 years on and off have been bombing the shit out of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people are saying like, well, you go back to 9-11 and 15 of the hijackers were Saudis. Yeah. Um, so why isn't Saudi Arabia on the list then? Um, so why aren't they on the list? Well, of course, you see, if you compare Somalia to Saudi Arabia, it's com- two completely different countries, aren't they? Like in terms of infrastructure and... Yeah security services and set up and international communication with the states obviously there's business is 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 the main real reason um i would say it's more because this wasn't these this list of seven countries didn't come from trump he didn't create this list of seven countries the obama administration did and they did it under the guise of uh, a list of countries that america is taking immigrants in from where they felt the vetting process wasn't extensive or thorough enough now, Obama, I don't think he ever actually implemented the uh, ban on any immigrants, refugees, what have you, from these countries. He did implement a ban on everyone. In 2011? Yeah. On Iraq. Regardless of your status, if you were Iraqi, you couldn't come in. Yeah, that's because he noticed some, some, there was some technical then. loophole that he took six months to close. Now, that Trump is saying this is the, the exact same thing. It's not a permanent ban. Mm. I think the max is 120 days if you're Syrian. I I heard him actually use the phrase, it was an opportunity for them to examine their security arrangements. And he's got got the power to just just let him do it. You know, it will affect, it has affected some people who won't be able to return home if they are working abroad and they lived in New York. Yeah. It's definitely been negative for some people, but I don't see, it's it's, it's really dangerous thing for some people to use it as a chance uh, to pour like fuel on the fire. You know, like you said, you said it was his most controversial, controversial one. Yeah. one. Yeah. But I, I was just about to say, give it a week. You know what yeah, I mean? There's been two really controversial ones. Yeah, this but one like, and the Mexico City thing. Yeah, but like, like where I said, you don't give any government money to any bodies, foreign or domestic, yeah. and for the purpose of abortion. That's that, another big controversial. Oh one. yeah, that's as a real re- retrograde step. Americans have got real funny views on abortion. Um, but, the, but everyone's saying, well, the Republicans are saying, look, it's really not a Muslim ban. Now, Rudy Giuliani went on uh, Fox News, and he basically kind of contradicted that completely. Let's have a little listen to Rudy 9-11 Giuliani. 
<laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> but I want to ask you about this ban. I want to ask you about this ban and the protest. Does the ban have anything to do with religion? How did the president decide the seven countries? Uh, I understand the permanent ban on the refugees. Okay. Uh, and, okay, I'll talk to me. Tell you the whole history of it. So right. when he first announced it, he said Muslim ban. He called me up. He said, put a commission together. <laughs> show me the right way to do it legally. I put a commission together with Judge Mukasey, with Congressman McCall, Pete King, whole group of other very expert lawyers on this. And what we did was we focused on, instead of religion, danger. The right. air areas of the world that create danger for us, which is a so, factual basis. Kellyanne Conway and Sean Spicer and the Trump administration listening to this, they must have been going apeshit. Yeah. Just like punching holes in the wall and stuff. Like, you fucking idiot. What are you doing? Getting old, Rudy. Getting, getting sloppy. <laughs> He's always been fucking sloppy. I mean, what's revealed there more that's like really worrying to me is I think it's kind of obvious the I way I heard that. That is worrying. Yeah, but the, it was the way that Trump was trying to rush it through. Like it was very swiftly announced. It was done like it put Boris Johnson in a bit of a bind because there was a big question over, oh, does it matter if you've ever been to this country and that is marked down in your passport? Does that stop you from gaining entry? Apparently for some people, it didn't stop them from gaining entry, but they had to be screened. Uh, yeah, Boris Johnson caught off guard there. And that's what worried me is the fact that Trump kind of, he must have obviously known it wasn't 100% well, they've legal. All, they've already had to backtrack and draw up new regulations for loopholes. And it's a messy situation, though. But the, 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 the problem with Trump is, um, is, is, is he's almost autistic in his approach to some things. He, he's so matter of fact and plain, slaps it on the table. Like, um, the real problem is it is a Muslim problem you can't ban people because they're muslim because most muslims aren't terrorists but there is an undeniable fact that there's this conflict in the islamic world mm, between yeah. the sunni and the shia i mean it's more for me it's like salafi wahhabist mission it's like a kind of poison in islam at the moment but it's spreading amazingly fast what i was gonna say uh, so this like i say highly controversial this uh, immigration ban should we call it yeah but it's set off it sparked a whole litany of protests in airports all across America. Did you see any the of that? The whole world. The whole I don't world know if it, people are protesting. But there is a big protest in London today. Yeah. Refugees welcome. But I mean, the only thing I would like for people holding up the refugees welcome sign is that there should be a law that says they have to put the addendum on the bottom that says, like, just not in my house. But no, yeah, the, the, the rule should be they have to, like, when they're not marching, they have to keep that sign, like, stuck in their front window. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with like welcoming refugees but like be actually be prepared if you're saying yeah, to other people lubricate you have to first take, yeah well if you if you're gonna go around saying to people you have to take the refugees in it's like well you've got to show you've got to lead by example there you've got to be at least willing assuming you have a spare room if you haven't got a spare room fine but listen uh, there can't be one of, there can't be any worse human experiences than being a refugee being forcibly kept away from your land <laughs> Like being desperate to return. Yeah, if you're to your a legit refugee, every day, yeah. staring a out proper, over the horizon. Sorry, a proper asylum seeker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, Theresa May, she rushed over to America when uh, Trump was inaugurated. This, the microsecond the phone was put down, she <laughs> was like, call the taxi. Yeah, she ran over like a horny teenager to. <laughs> she was desperate. She was showing real signs of desperation. She obviously went over there to butter up Trump or at the very least, America, being proactive in terms of 
setting a... Her speech, I listened to it on the radio. She's buttering Trump up to try and get a trade deal. But it was a real, like, uh, assertive, aggressive speech. It was like, okay, Britain's back on the world stage again, you know. Global Britain. Yeah, watch out. Yeah. Yeah, it was like that. It felt like that. I mean, she's being really quite fawning to everyone. Uh, Now, um, as part of sweetening the deal, Theresa May offered Donald Trump an official state visit, uh, visit to the UK. Which he accepted, accepted the microsecond <laughs> the invitation left her hand. Now, there was immediately a petition put online. One million plus people have signed this petition to uh, spare the Queen the indignity of having to meet Donald Trump. Now, don't you find it's a bit weird that a lot of these people are actually Republicans? They're not really pro-monarchy. But then they're all kind of falling over themselves to be the first to defend the Queen's honour. What a joke. Uh, the scary the thing is, though, it's like when he comes over, it's conceivable that, you know, the city the size of London, you could, could get a million people turning up. And he wouldn't notice. For a march. Oh, yeah, but yeah, it, it's going to happen. It's going to be ridiculous. But she, like I say, she's, she's given audiences and official state visits to Robert Mugabe, General Pinochet. The Chinese. Chinese, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's just bread and butter for her. She doesn't doesn't bother the lady. But for Trump, it's probably a great great honor. Where's my OBE? Great. I don't think the Queen needs protecting from Donald Trump. I mean, she's I bet you the royal family have figured out a thousand and one ways, excuses, reasons to not shake the hand of a head of state that don't offend that person. She's probably got her ways of getting out of it. But allegedly one time she, I can't remember who it was she was avoiding, but apparently she hid behind a bush to avoid having to talk to oh, someone. that was the Romanian Nicola Ceausescu and his wife. Oh, right, yeah. She saw them They're off in the distance Palace. coming her way. Yeah, yeah. Dove into the Parliament debated the idea of banning Donald Trump from visiting the UK for the second time, I believe, in as many years. I can't wait to see him visit 10 Downing Street. <laughs> but have you seen the response from those who tried to argue, oh, he shouldn't be coming over here? Oh, yeah, okay, he can come over here, but it's not in my name. Sadiq Khan's been probably the most vocal. David Lammy as well has been yeah. quite heavily vocal. But it's such a lame response to say like, oh, okay, I couldn't actually stop him from coming here. And I don't really have the stones to just like outright confront him face to face. I'm just going gonna... to say it's not happening in my name. They're going to like just blockade the uh, motorway coming out of the Heathrow, aren't they? But um, do you think we're in for just four years of incessant weekend and sometimes midweek protests, anti-Trump protests? Yeah, you, you started off this segment by saying that Trump hit the ground running, mm. like a lot of presidents have, but he's also hit the ground running and ducking and diving. <laughs> he's going to have to be moving like that the whole time. And like I say, a lot of retraction, like he's already had to pull back on this uh, travel ban. Um, I don't know, a judge today uh, yeah. enforced yeah. like a ban on the ban. Yeah, and Trump said in his tweet, and it's great how since he's become president, he hasn't really um, <laughs> cut back on his tweets at all. <laughs> Uh, he said this so-called judge, so-called judge, he could write... Strong he, rhetoric. Well, he could write an executive order just sacking the judge. I don't know, it's a federal judge, I don't know if he... Like, the attorney general who tried to block it by saying she wasn't sure if it was legal or not. Yeah. Yeah, he could fire her like that, it wasn't a big deal, it wasn't illegal, it wasn't unconstitutional or anything like that. A federal judge, I don't know, I don't know if Trump can just quite easily dismiss that and just... I don't know if people are going to get bored of the protesters before they get bored of Trump. I think they'll thin out. They'll definitely be like a weekly thing, um, but it'll thin out to a hardcore. You couldn't do it day in, day out, hating Donald Trump. Like. A real factor, though, is if he does actually deliver and 
day-to-day general life improves for Americans. They notice they've got a few more dollars in their pocket. Maybe that'll be the judge of things, time. Like I say, will he, be, will he have the time to be able to deliver or will he just get over overrun in, this, in a few more weeks? Fascinated, coup, impeachment. Yeah. One of them. It's going to be one of those. Heart attack or something from all the stress. Yeah, I mean, he's Although he old. seems to be riding it out very well. He is pretty old. Yeah, but these, these old rich fuckers, they live to be like 90 or 100. Now, a concern around Donald Trump that seems to crop, crop up again and again. The question of just how much of a white nationalist is Donald Trump? I have no idea. I don't think, I don't, uh, to be honest, I don't, I imagine Donald Trump's one of those guys who just doesn't think in terms of race or ethnicity whatsoever. Yeah, I think it's white nationalist is, is, is an old term that's suddenly come back and is being thrown around a lot more. Thanks to the alt-right. Yeah, but I think it's, if, if you're a white, what was the term, a white nationalist or white supremacist? I think there is a distinction between the two. Yeah, but either of them, they're, they're, they're obviously things that people accuse people of. Donald Trump of. But I don't think it's a worthy accusation because I think both terms are something you actually have to declare yourself as. You, you know, they, like, if you're a white nationalist, you're someone who'll stand up and say, like, white power, you know, like, I believe, yeah, you know, people... I'm a white nationalist. Or, you know... Uh... I mean, obviously, there's... The connection is being made because of the... Can you be right. a white nationalist and not know it? I don't know. Maybe. I'm talking more about like, you would be a crypto white nationalist. You wouldn't be forthcoming about it because there's such a heavy stigma and negative connotation around right, white nationalism. Right, you know? right. But I mean, people are making this connection because of the the connection between Donald Trump and Stephen Bannon. Okay, Stephen Bannon yes. was the former editor of Breitbart, who's now pretty much Trump's most senior advisor. And uh, Stephen Bannon once said that Breitbart was kind of a sort of home if you will, of the alt-right. And so people are making a connection there and insisting that Donald Trump is a white supremacist, white nationalist, neo-Nazi, blah, 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 all of the above. Is Donald Trump alt-right in your mind, Tim? If anything, he's old-right. Like an old traditionalist, Christian, right? Old traditionalist, just, you know, uh, not expansionist. Small government. Small government. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that. I've been saying the whole time he's he's a Manhattanite liberal. I mean, he's been saying the last three, four years he had a miraculous conversion to uh, conservatism. Well, similar similar to Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was a Democrat before he became a Republican. It's hard to place Stephen Bannon in terms of is he a white nationalist or not? Because uh, if you remember, we did an episode on the alt-right where I was saying there's a, there's two sort of camps, if you will, when it comes to the alt-right. You've got these online Twitter so-called shit posters who just mm-hmm. post memes and animated gifs and what have you to try and uh, be subversive whilst making each other laugh and then you've got a more political movement side of the alt-right pretty much headed by a guy called uh, richard b spencer and i don't think richard b spencer has much influence on stephen bannon i think stephen bannon saying breitbart's the home of the alt-right he's talking more about the shit posters than the people who are really trying to get white nationalism back on the political agenda again you know what i mean yeah, I think I think white nationalism is too. It's a very narrow thing because I think like people like Steve Bannon, he's probably maybe just a little bit racist, but he's not like as into sort of white supremacy or like eugenics. Mm. You know, master master race. I don't like think pro traditional. That's what a white nationalist is to me. It's like someone who wants to eugenicize the whole world into a sort of Nordic master race. I mean, I know he's concerned. I about, don't think he's one of them. I know he's concerned about the Christian right in general both in America and abroad, across Europe, particularly in the Middle East, where like Christians are getting persecuted at the moment. I think that's definitely a, a concern of Stephen Bannon's. 
But no, I don't, I don't think he's hardcore white nationalist. I don't think Trump is all right in any way. I think he's just sort of traditional Christian conservative now. But yeah, another retraction I have to offer. I was wrong about Donald Trump being a Manhattanite liberal. That's he's basically not- his daughter now. <laughs> well, it's true. So did you see this viral video of alt-right intellectual leader, if you can call it that, Richard B. Spencer getting punched in the face? Yes. One of my Hillary-supporting friends on Facebook put it on his timeline. And asked, is it ever right to punch? I was going to say, spark some discussion over the ethics of Nazi punching. What's your view? Is it ever right to punch a Nazi? It was a sucker punch. It was, yeah. The guy ran in out of frame when the he guy waited, wasn't looking. He waited until he was looking at his yeah, Pepe yeah, pin. Yeah. Uh, and he, he didn't, like, knock him out. He staggered him. A little of a black eye, I saw. Yeah. Um, but very bad thing to do in general, to hit someone. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's ultimately, you have to decide what, what side of the line you're on, if it's going to be like non-violent protest or violent protest. And that guy literally crossed the line when he uh, punched that other guy in the face. Before that happened, before he got punched in the face, almost no one knew who Richard B. Spence was saying. Can I finish? Can I finish? Yeah. But basically more people know who he is than really should know who he is. Like outside of political junkies, there's no real reason to know who Richard B. Spence is. Oh, yeah. The alt right are really a fringe movement confined yeah, yeah, yeah. to Twitter sphere. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. I, I hadn't he's heard been of made, him he's until been this made, guy put it on Facebook. He's been made a figure of sympathy now. But yeah, he's a bigger influence now than what he really should be as a result of this, which is why you don't go around punching people in the face. One mm-hmm. of the reasons. Yeah. Do you think we've got a bit of an obsession with um, trying to figure out who's a Nazi and who isn't? I mean, I'm a little bit concerned when it comes to Trump. In terms of, I can't figure out how much of the Trump administration is being guided by Donald Trump and how much of it is being shaped by the people around him. Because Donald Trump, I don't think he's massively right-wing, but he's got a lot of people around him who are fairly right-wing, heavily libertarian. Like, not don't give a fuck about environmental uh, concerns of any kind. Don't give a shit about any regulatory red tape. But that doesn't necessarily mean they should be, like, evil, destructive people. Nazis, in other words. Yeah. Well, the media are massively against Trump. Yeah. So that and everybody hates the, Nazis, right? These people probably aren't as far right as we're being told they are. They're probably a little bit, but they're not as demonic as uh, as we're told. Yeah, because I mean, which me, is an unusual thing for me to say about people in government. <laughs> <laughs> now, Americans are a lot happier with what Donald Trump's doing than the media is making out. Uh, they are more supportive. I think over half of Americans do support his uh, immigration slash Muslim ban. I want to just give it time, see 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 how much. Like, admittedly, maybe a lot of these early executive orders are deliberately provocative because he does want to sort of lay down his authority, get people running around, get people busy, so they don't have time to sort of <laughs> no, work, yeah. work against him. Mm. He want he he wants to pass a law where like no senator can can take her money from a foreign corporation they can't become lobbyists yeah 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 Yeah. very popular move again so give him time instead that's that's what i think people need to do Mm, yeah will he get the time though that's the question i don't know i mean he had this list of about 20 25 things his promise his contract with the american people i think it was and i think he's already over halfway through it what happens when he hits I mean, at this rate, within a couple of months, he's going to hit all 25 of his promises. Do you think he'll just kind of drop out, just go to uh, Vice President Mike Pence? All right, here you go. I've set you up now for a pretty easy ride. No. Maybe not easy ride, actually. To be honest, we don't live in a perfect world, so I don't don't think everything he wants to happen will happen. Um, 
So I think, yeah, politically people will follow America as well. And uh, this year will, will actually be the acid test of whether or not that's true with what happens in Europe with... Uh, Marine Le Pen. Yeah, and uh, Gert Wilders as well. And just what happens in Italy. I don't think that... I don't want to get sidetracked, but I don't no. think Marine Le Pen will win. I don't think Gert Wilders will win. You said the same thing, didn't you, about... Trump and Brexit. And Brexit. Yeah, well, yeah. Look, I'm going to be right on so one of like, I think... In terms of Donald Trump, everybody's out to get him. And in real world terms, what that means is people are going to continuously try and impeach him. He's got 50 lawsuits against him at the moment already. He's got the FBI investigating his Trump University, which does sound, if you look into it, it does sound dodgy as hell. Yeah. I think he's going to get impeached sooner or later. I don't think he's going to reach the end of his four years. But yeah, people will be throwing impeachment orders at him every... I wouldn't be surprised if there's been a few coming through the letterbox already. You know, it's just going to be a constant assault on him. He wasn't meant to be president. He wasn't meant to win. They were going mental. I watched it happen on CNN Live. They were... Complete meltdown. Meltdown. Like the BBC... You watch it on the BBC, it's the same thing. It's like, it's not meant to be this way. And people can't take it. They're going to try everything in their power to throw every spanner in the work they can. The little looks they were giving each other of like, what the fuck is going on? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. Is that it? That is it, yeah. No movie reviews. No, only two segments. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Tom, Dick and Hyman Show. Tim, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me and asking me my opinions, which doesn't matter. Because, <laughs> really, no. But... but, you know, everybody seems to think their opinion matters these days and should have the right to broadcast it to everyone. Well, the technology is there. Exactly, so we may as well hear, hear what we have to do. All right, until next time, goodbye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.